Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff. He's Mike Werman. Uh, today we're going to get to our part two, part I guess part three and part four, I guess, of our um, NFL quarterback series, uh, getting ready for the uh, 2023 NFL season. Uh, we'll cover the AFC quarterbacks today, a little later in the show. Uh, we'll also talk about the preseason also leading up to the 2023 NFL season. Uh, and uh, But we'll begin today's uh, episode with the continuing saga of the terrible Kansas City Royals. Uh, but to avoid actually talking about them right away, we will first discuss the uh, release of the new plans for the downtown or downtown adjacent Kansas City Royals stadium coming in theoretically 2028. Some new information available to us. Uh, today uh you've had a chance to take a look at the uh, site renderings uh what do you think of the two sites and do you have a preference for the of the two well i i guess i would prefer ideally downtown since why would you move it otherwise why can't you just if like if it's if you're going to do north kansas city why can't you just build stuff around the current stadium that looks makes it look sort of like you know what you could build in north kansas city i guess it might not be the same but you know if, but if you want to make it downtown put it in downtown but i guess the one drawback for the, the location on the eastern side of downtown they call the east village is that when we were talking about this before we went on on, on air was that the stadium the ballpark faces southeast as they rendered it and if you're facing southeast from the eastern side of downtown, you can see none of downtown. Not, and, all of it is behind you, yes. Yeah. And if so you're in the stands. Why, you know, the, partly the reason you want a downtown stadium is because it has a cool skyline you can look at. And this is what they have in Pittsburgh. It's what they have in St. Louis. It's what they have in most of these places that have downtown yeah. stadiums or adjacent stadiums. You can see the skyscrapers. And like, so like the only, like in the drawings that they, the renderings, the only thing you could see in the um, East Village, uh, like outfield background, was you know buildings that the Royals built as part of the, um, you know downtown village, uh, ballpark village, the so entertainment like, district. That a, yeah, and that, so that was kind of lame. I thought because partly the what's lame, I guess people think's lame about um, Kauffman Stadium is just you have a view of the highway and of the old Adams Mark Hotel, or maybe it's Adams Mark again. I don't know what it is. It's been, it's, it switches names all the time. Um, or the Denny's that used to be up there. Like it was, it's, there's not like um, much to look at other than the roads. Uh, but like, so the North Kansas City venue, at least you can see, you can see downtown mm-hmm. from um, the renderings. But I, I'm, I, I'm sure I'll be excited when, the, if the state, if, or when the stadium is actually built, but I I guess I I don't see a huge advantage over the current location. I I guess you could say well downtown is is good, but you only it seems like you only get with the with the current arrangement of the way the stadium would have to be. You get the crowdedness of downtown, but you don't get the um, view and the kind of you know the you know the bang for the of the of the of the downtown view that 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 you would want so well just the, the sensation that you're are downtown not just in a stadium right yeah but, yeah i guess walking around the concourses are probably going to be glass so you could see downtown from uh while you're not watching the game while you're waiting in line to get a um beer or a 
hot dog or something, but I don't know. It's just, it's not as uh, it's just it, it. When I saw that, I was like, "Where where where's downtown? You can't see it." When I, I was that was the big problem I had with it, and and um, I just didn't really think of the way you had to orient mm-hmm. the ball field because um, you don't really need to do something like that for a football stadium. Uh, because you go both, you go two directions in football. You basically in baseball, you're fa- you know the batters are facing one way, and you don't want them to, I guess, face into the sun, uh, which is why they don't face. Like if they could turn the park and have it face slightly west, uh, you know that would they would be able to see a much better view. Yeah, we we took a look at aerial views of most of the parks. I think uh, just before we went on uh, tonight uh, to record this episode. Uh, and we found out that yeah, almost all the parks faced either east, southeast, or northeast. Yeah, like almost everything. There were a couple. Cleveland that were was almost due north. north. I think San I Diego think... was was straight north. And so, if you, but facing it due north, maybe some people in the right field on the right field side could see some of downtown, but you couldn't see that much of it. Um, yeah, and uh, so it's 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 a you know it's it's not the ideal. Um, what is Part of it's for the cl- the crowd, uh, how much sun the crowd's going to be getting to. And I, I know most of the parks have some kind of like, uh, you know, shield for this, for this for the elements over the bulk of the park. But there's still a lot of people that are, you know, out in the elements no matter what. And maybe it's better if you're having some covering over over the top of the west side was the sun sets it blocks more of the you know sun from yeah. people that are down below it uh but uh i'm not i don't know yeah i don't know i was um i think that the renderings look pretty nice the parks look nice but i don't know if i'm like over enthusiastic about any of the design that i've seen at least in here yeah, i i thought the north kansas city ballpark village looked kind of cool like uh and stuff like that so but yeah. i don't it I, at least has the downtown as the you know the you can see downtown and i guess you can't see downtown from the current stadium, but you could build a sort of village that looks sort of like that. I think still, it's just a giant parking lot now. Like you could turn part of the parking lot into a garage or something like that, and and have space uh, for other things. I I don't. It's it's. Hmm. I don't. I don't. They just uh, don't have it that way. I don't. I don't. I don't know yeah. why. Well, I, th- I think they. I think they have to move it out of where it is and, it, and they're going to have more attendance at basically every game if they have it downtown or near downtown just because there's it's closer to the population center and yeah it's closer to the uh, kansas side they're not, and they're not going to build anything up around where the park is now they're just not they've had 40 they've years, had, they've, had 50 50 years. they've never it. done anything there so yeah uh, they they, you know, whatever, whatever anybody thought might happen around there it's not happening. They have a gas station across the street, and yeah, and then and then there's that kind of dumpy stuff that's that you know on the uh, Blue River Parkway kind of area. Like there's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing there right now. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's okay for football, and I guess for baseball since you think well, it's going to be used eighty one nights days a year. That's that's almost one fourth of the year so like that's that's pretty common usage and i guess if you say well the sprint center is going to be used a lot otherwise too it's like you there's there's going to be a lot of stuff going on downtown most nights Mm -hmm. i think so 
Um, it looked like there was another um, little tidbit in the release from today was that they looked like there was going to be like a 4,000 seat um, uh, another like music venue area. or entertainment venue like in the North Kansas City development because I think they have like 87 acres. They only, they only have like 27 acres in downtown. So like they have a lot more space to work with um, in the North Kansas City village in Crown Village or whatever they were going to call it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I guess they're because I guess they need to sort of build up a power and light district there because they wouldn't necessarily need that because they have the power and light. It's not too far from the from the, what the downtown stadium would be, which has other entertainment stuff. But the Royals wouldn't own, wouldn't own that part, so like they wouldn't be able to make money off of it the same way they would in North Kansas City. The Royals themselves won't own it but i guess what it sounded like there was going to be something like a billion dollars of private um input into this project it was supposed to be a two billion dollar project so they're looking at a half halvesies yeah i thought the royals were going to put in half and then the yeah um i guess to maybe continue whatever sales tax that jackson county or the bi-state sales tax gets or whatever Mm. but yeah but yeah but if they go to the north kansas city side that's a different county so they'd have to have a new agreement with clay county and and the lease doesn't end until 2031 as we've learned so trying to have the new stadium up by 2028 will cause problems especially if they try to move, move it to clay county at least it's, mm-hmm. it's downtown it's still jackson county so maybe they could just but 2028 um opening day 2028 that means they're gonna have to start this project in like two years yeah it's only four seasons yeah because okay. we're almost done with 2023 season and that's not a lot of time to you know get agreements with all of the properties that have to be consumed in the uh uh you know the construction of something like this so this is a quite an undertaking that they're going about and i'm not sure if they're prepared for all of this it doesn't sound like they've uh done a lot of their homework with the uh with at least with the politics side of things with the uh the counties yeah it, uh, you have to make sure you get it ready on time there was an art just read the article this this there's art or articles that i saw online about vanderbilt building re- renovating its football stadium hmm. and how its football stadium is not going to be ready for the season which starts in like two weeks and what are you going to do like you know um was there old park taken down in the uh is it the same site? Is that part of the problem there, or is it? I think they were adding seats to, um, the oh, was a reno- like a renovation. It wasn't stadium. a full... yeah. They're renovating it now. They call it First Bank Stadium, hmm. and I think they were adding seats or something like that. And they are. It's it's still like really under construction apparently hmm. um and there's uh yeah i i just saw i think i saw that yesterday or the day before how um it's gonna yeah it's they may yeah. have to play a home game in another park yeah it's 11 days from its opener uh and the football stadium is still they're, they're gonna play in it despite uh the it's yeah despite not finishing it says Vanderbilt will play the 2023 College Football Stadium on a field directly adjacent to a construction site. Its renovation is nowhere near complete. Um, wow. Yeah. So we well, don't want that to happen, I guess, with the Royals. Yes. 
that's yeah. especially if they tore down the old Kauffman Stadium because they need to build a new Chiefs Stadium, and then there's no place for the Royals to play. While if the stadium is delayed, you know, will they play in? Well, so if they play the 2027 season, they would they'd have to leave it up until the end of that season, I guess. So they they at that time they should know that the other park would be ready to go. Yeah, like six months later. Maybe yeah. they should be mostly completed with it, I would hope. Uh, yeah, I guess you'd hope so. But the, the Chiefs would be, maybe they want to build their new, they probably want to build their new Arrowhead Stadium on the site of the current Yeah. So they can keep their old one too. So. so you think it'd be like as soon as they uh, turn the lights out for the season finale in 2027 that they're like detonating? Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. I, I, I don't like, yeah, I, I don't like the idea of tearing down old buildings just to build new ones because they're slightly nicer. Yeah. Then often turn out not to be nicer. And so it's just as a historian type of in person, I, I like older things more than newer things. And I think we've torn down a lot of old buildings in the United States, unfortunately, and to build kind of new crap. And I don't know if the new stadium is going to be as good as the old stadium. Mm. But realistically, what does it matter if a team's playing as they have been playing? <laughs> I guess in the uh since our last episode, uh the team is one and five and they're lost uh their most recent game to the the uh series opener against the uh MLB's worst team, Oakland A's. Uh and are losing tonight 5 to 4 in the uh, bottom of the 7th. Are you worried that the Royals are going to get swept by the worst team in baseball? Well, they almost got swept the first time they played the A's. They lost the first two and then managed to win the third. Mm. Here, at least, the Royals are down four to um, five, four. five to four, and they were down worse. But then Grinky came in, so he's back and he's pitched uh, right so far three and two thirds shutout innings. So that's mm-hmm. a good sign, and that's he has. And so maybe that's that's a good, at least something that's good. I like having Grinky. Unfortunately, I don't think Zach Grinky will be around in 2028 uh, for the new stadium. You don't know that. <laughs> yeah, we don't know that. But I think, you know, how how old is Zach right now? Oh, he's got to be. He's he's, he's 39. Him. Yeah, he'll be. He he will be. He's almost 40. He'll be 40 on in October. So uh, he will be 44 when this new stadium opens, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll turn 45 at the end of the yes. season. So I don't think, unless he develops a knuckleball or something like that, which he might, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, pitching like, uh, you know, Charlie Huff or, you know, one of those other old-timey knuckleball uh, one of the Necros or something like that who pitched Gaylord Perry when they pitched into yeah. like age, you know, 48 or whatever. But he did, he does have an Ephus pitch that he throws out there every once in a while. So yeah, it's not, it's not that far off. Yeah. Gaylord Perry turned 45 when he played for the Royals in his last season <laughs> in 1983. It's pretty good. Perry, you might remember, famous. The most famous thing he did for the Royals was actually uh, grab George Brett's pine tar bat and try to abscond with oh. it, and not be 
measured or used uh, as evidence against him, but I think they found it and they brought it back. But that was what he, that was what um, Gaylord Perry did for the Royals, basically. He was on that 83 Royals team. And um, then, yeah, didn't do a whole lot else, I think. But um, he, I'm going to look him up real quick on baseball reference, but yeah, George, yeah, the, yeah, the Royals had a lot of those kind of uh, end of Hall of Fame careers. Mm -hmm. So he was four, so he was four and four for the Royals, 4.27 ERA, started 14 games, pitched 84 and a third inning. That's not so, a bad, not too bad. Twilight season, I guess, right? No, he he had been released by Seattle earlier this in that year. Mm -hmm. I guess he didn't have a very good start. He was only three and ten, four ninety four ERA. So he did better when he came to the Royals. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, unfortunately, he did not get to play for a Royals playoff team. Yeah, did win two right awards. I'm sorry. They would have done all right that season, though. That was uh, eighty-three. Yeah, between their two World Series teams, eighty. Yeah, eighty-four. They went to the playoffs. I think eighty-three was when they had kind of their last hurrah with some of their old guys from mm. the seventies and eighties, and then they decided, well, we're going to dump these pitchers and we're going to go with the youth movement in eighty-four, and that's what um, brought them around. I I think. When they when they drafted Saberhagen that next year, I guess. Yeah, Saberhagen started in '84. Started playing in '84. Yeah, the pitching staff staff they had uh, um, some people who kind of continued on, but it was oh yeah, he wasn't drafted that year. No, he came up to the majors. They like, still had Quisenberry, but like it was still like uh, Larry Gura and Paul Splitorf and Dennis Leonard. You know those guys that were kind mm -hmm. of were done by '85. I guess Leonard came back in '86. He was out of '85, but like. Um, he wasn't quite the same. Vitamin yeah. was on the, you know, they brought in, I guess it was Danny Jackson's first year. So he was, and Bud Black was still, was there. So like, there were a couple of those guys that would stick around, but a lot of them were gone by. The signaling the changing of the guard. Yeah. 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 Well, I know the, uh, this last week's Royals had a very, Bizarre lineup submitted that I thought was interesting that I, I would mention to you. See what you think of this. Okay. How, how often do you think it happens where the three outfielders in the game are hitting in the bottom third of the lineup? That has to be really rare, does it not? Outfielders statting seven, eight, nine. Yeah, that is, that would be because you would usually traditionally you you, you put your some of your power guys or your speed guys in the outfield maybe not the best defensive players but usually the bigger bats yeah or, or like in the center, corner outfield one of the corner outfields one of the corner the outfielders the center fielder is often the leadoff hitter yes so all i, I guess so maybe yeah that i don't know what I, I can't really think of a time that would happen that's unusual yeah. I, has, has it happened before with the rose did you did you that's the first time I've ever seen it in ever, but I, you know, I hadn't, I don't have a way to <laughs> analyze all of the lineups that have been made to see if there was a, you know, if that, is, how rare of an occurrence it is. It has to be rare though. Like, yeah. Traditionally the center fielder is the fastest guy would also be your leadoff hitter. So 
And usually one of the corner outfield spots is a power hitter. So like, it would be very odd to have your outfield having the lightest bats. Yeah. Especially all three of the lightest bats. That is very, very, very strange. Yeah. You really want your better hitters hitting up higher in the order because you think they'll have more at bats potentially in the game. So you want. And they they also likely had three catchers in the lineup, which is what they've done very commonly this season, which I find completely asinine. But well, well Fermin has been playing pretty well. Um, so they've, they've seemed to like need to find a spot for him. Melendez and, and, probably should go to AAA. Well, he should have gone to AAA when they decided he was going to be an outfielder, and so like, most of this season should not have happened the way it happened. Uh there is no reason for us to have watched him learn to play the outfield at the major league level. Especially yeah. when he's not hitting well either. So like they sent Alex Gordon down, I think, to learn outfield. I think they sent Mark Tian down to learn outfield before yeah. that. So I think there's that's precedent for it even within the team, yes. Very weird. Um yeah, I don't I don't it's one of the stranger teams that I've seen. Yeah, so the, it was a three catcher lineup and a seven, eight, nine outfielders. Yeah, because that was the, the, uh, that was the uh, Saturday game against the Cubs. And then and it's not even one of those catchers is DH either. Three catchers in the field rather yes. than like you know, you'll have a catcher playing designated hitter or something like oh, that. Oh, actually uh Melendez DH that game. Oh, he did DH that game. Okay. And he led off, which I thought was very stupid also. So, uh, my dad and I were talking about this when it when we saw we looked at the lineup uh, before the game started. Is like what kind of ridiculous thing have they come up with today? I pulled it up before the game started, and I saw this. I was like, "What? What is happening here?" <laughs> it's like, and then so so dad asked me what I thought Melendez was going to do for the day. I told him, over for four, two strikeouts, two groundouts to the right side. First four at bats, strikeout, strikeout, groundout to first. This one that many struck out though. It's like, oh, I was so close to the prediction of what of uh the futility that I expected. And he was actually yeah, I'm looking at the lineup right now. So futile. there's there's Melendez, DH, Witt, shortstop, Massey batting third at second, which isn't good either. Yeah. Salvador Perez cleanup, first base, Freddie Fermin, catcher, fifth, Matt Duffy, third, Samad Taylor, Drew Waters, Dyron Blanco. Or seven, eight, nine. Ridiculous lineup. Like I, the game was lost when the lineup card was turned in. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but this has been a common occurrence that that like you know, it's not very hard to tell which games are losses um, <laughs> just by looking at the lineup card. And and this is a fully a manager's issue. This is yeah, because Garcia wasn't in the game. Uh, he, Scott he Taylor having some issues with like a rib injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Matt Taylor also batted eighth. He batted eighth on Monday night, but he was playing second base that night. So it was Waters, right field, Samad Taylor, Kyle Isbell, Isbell uh, who were three potential outfielders, but they weren't all playing the three outfield positions that night. Um, yes. And um, yeah, Melendez was playing left. He batted fifth on Monday when they... Lost to the A's. So. Isbell's a very strange case, too, because like he's they've been using him in the nine spot. They've moved him up in the lineup a few times, and he's done very well when they've moved him up. And he, you know, is 
you know, his reward for doing well and being moved up is to be, you know, given days off or moved back down in the lineup uh, the next opportunity. It's uh, I would find maddening mm-hmm. if it were, um, you know, presumably a reward based system with a young team. And uh, I don't see that there is reward being given to young players here in, in uh, the way that the lineups have been set. Uh, and especially in the bullpen then too. So like the team's bullpen is not very good. Uh, and today is the second day in a row. They've decided to do an entirely bullpen driven game, which is completely asinine as just as a concept. I mean, this is an evaluation season. Why are there not more starting pitchers to evaluate? Why are you not bringing guys that could be starters into the starting position role? They're trying to use openers and stuff like this. This is totally stupid. There's no reason for it. I I don't don't have the answer. It makes no sense. The team says that they are being more data-driven. They went out and hired a data-driven manager, and we're seeing just complete garbage from decision-making. This is... Maybe it's completely data driven and no so there's no um like human sense i guess and so we'll just write like uh maybe the data says we'll just start with our bullpen and then finish there's no there runner. is nothing data wise that would <laughs> give that in that impression so if, if someone is using it saying that this is a data-based approach they are lying to you or they don't know how to use data because there's nothing out there anywhere that says that that would be a good idea. So you don't think it was a good idea to start on Hal Zerpa tonight? And not if uh, Grinky's back. And have two Grinke- weeks ago when Zerpa finally made when made his way back up, they put him in the bullpen, which he'd only been a starter before. I and mean, I didn't understand that either. So like if you're gonna use him as a starter, use him as a starter. Why I mean why transition him back and forth between the two positions? If you want him to be a starter, try him out as a starter. If he succeeds, great. If he doesn't, then move him to the bullpen. Yeah. See how he yeah. does there. Maybe it's part and of then that. Make uh, a decision system. if he's not going to do well there, then get rid of him. But like <laughs> this is you don't learn anything from any of this. We're not we're not finding out any new things about any of these players. It's just a waste of time. Because yeah. I don't I don't even think we've actually learned anything about anybody this year. Um, we've learned that Bobby Wood Jr. is a great going to be a great player. He's one of the only people that they have left alone. They put him in the two spot most of the year, and he has stayed there. You can actually Garcia. glean some information from that. Everything else has just been a waste of time. Michael Garcia has proved that he's pretty good for me. Maybe some of the hitters have shown themselves. I guess even if they are kind of jerked around the lineup, but yeah, it's been a weird season, and I don't and and maybe that's. Maybe that's why they're thinking. Well, let's just it's, let's, let's talk more and more about about the new stadium because we want to draw attention away. They've done from... this. They've made this season bad because of how they have managed the team. We should be learning more about these players, and we're we're not. This is a management problem. This is not a player problem. This is a management problem. Well, should we transition to talking about a team that seems to be very well managed? Maybe or- in just a minute, I got one baseball-related trivia question for you. Then, <laughs> okay, before we move on, I'll I'll, I'll list up four different people. I want you to tell me what these players have in common with each other. Okay, they've never been in my kitchen. This I'll, is a complete. I guess that, that would also be <laughs> uh, Walter Johnson, Steve Busby, 
Mike Warren and Michael Lorenzen. What do these four players have in common? Um, they're all pitchers. They are all major league baseball pitchers. That is that is one of the things that they have in common. Um, I like well, Steve Busby played the Royals. Walter Johnson probably died before the Royals became a team. Yes. Um. Um. They, no, I think Busby was left-handed. Maybe they're all right-handed. Or mm. left-handed. Um, they all. So uh, Lawrence and just if you didn't hear, just recently threw a no-hitter. Oh, okay. Well, Steve Busby has thrown no-hitters. So have they thrown at least two no-hitters? Is that is that what it is? No, they've all thrown. They have all four thrown no-hitters. But the here's the weird thing: they all went to the same high school. And then even stranger is they are the only four pitchers that have ever made it to the majors from that high school. I'm looking at Fullerton Union High School. Yeah. Fullerton, there are other, other hitters, I think, that made it from that high this this thing fact just popped up the other day. I just thought it was kind of funny anyway. It's like and that is the complete set of major league players, major league pitchers that came from that high school. And they've all four thrown no hitters in the major league level. Wow. And they were in like vastly different times. Walter Johnson's no hitter was in 1920. Busby threw one in 73 and 74. Mike Warren threw one in 1983. And Michael Lorenzen uh, was just uh, like two weeks ago. Yeah. For uh, for Philly. Well, Walter Johnson's one of the all time greats. And Lorenzen and Busby were both pretty good. Busby maybe could have been really, really good had he not gotten hurt. But Mike Warren, looking at him right now, was not a good pitcher career wise. I guess he only had. Like twenty something starts, twenty seven starts or something. Yeah, he threw a no hitter in one of them though, huh? He was, <laughs> yeah. only in the league from eighty three to eighty five. Yeah, but he threw a no hitter from the same high school though, Mike. Isn't that? Well, we did talk about modern modern day high school last week when we talked about <laughs> the four uh, the three Heisman Trophy winners. Yeah. Gone to that high school, and we'll see. Yeah, I was in California, wasn't it? it? Was in California, yeah. Um, and Bryce Young was one of them, and uh, the Matt Leinart and uh, uh, Hewitt, Huarte, and also, but they've all been busts because they Tom Rose, Tom Aranovic, just school, and like, and uh, Matt Barkley, who we'll mention uh, later today, yeah, uh, was was so like, yeah, that that's that, that was a they were all the the quarterbacks from that school. Um, some of the quarterbacks we'll talk about later in our preview were also uh, from uh, these 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 same schools as one another, and it's kind of interesting to see uh, how that works. But I have um, I have an interesting. We'll have a, we'll we'll talk about that later. We have, I have a couple of interesting tidbits related to uh, locations and schools. But the the you, uh, so you, how about how about the Chiefs? Uh, how do you think? They looked pretty good in their preseason, their second preseason game. They, uh, they, they had a few jitters early on on the offense when Mahomes was there. There were some drop passes, uh, but then once things started going, they steamrolled the Arizona Cardinals, thirty-eight to ten, and all four quarterbacks had well over one hundred passer ratings. Mahomes was actually the lowest, I think, at one hundred 
eight or something like that. Little five, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. That yeah, area. it was. Yeah. It was. Um, it was. So, do you think the Chiefs are going to are, are rounding into 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 form already? Do you think maybe the biggest story was the quarterback play where we have Shane Bouchelle possibly challenging Blaine Gabbert as quarterback number two? We'll talk about that more mm-hmm. uh, with the Chiefs. But do you think do you think any of these um, young guys on the Chiefs or maybe old guys played their way into more potential playing time uh, this past week? So yeah, Bouchelle actually took the second string snaps after Mahomes left the game. So that was I thought that was interesting at least anyway to see that they did sort of switch the positions anyway for at least for the preseason game, which doesn't really necessarily mean anything more than let's just see what he does sort of uh scenario. But, uh, but yes, that the team does seem like they they've done a very good job with personnel. The offensive line looks great. If four quarterbacks have a hundred plus rating for the game, uh, they seem to have been pretty solid at, at uh, protecting the quarterbacks. None of them were sacked in the game. Are the Cardinals just really, really bad though? It, it's possible, but usually there'd be some pressure, though, even if the team's not great. Yeah, third string, fourth string, you know, some, there's yeah. going to be something, but yeah, there wasn't much. The receiving crew all looked pretty good. It's 17 different receivers caught at least one pass. Yeah, I think the biggest problem, though, is, is that Chris Jones remains uh, not in camp and holding out. Do you, do you see an end to that, or is that just going to last until the beginning of the season or is it going to go into the season do you think you'd think that it would have to end pretty soon i haven't even heard about any progress made on the on the contract though i haven't uh i heard that the this last week the chiefs i don't know if they actually announced it but it, you know it came out that they had made a large what they claimed to be a large offer uh, that has so far been not accepted at least anyway uh but we don't know what those numbers were, if they're close or if they're talking, or we don't really know anything, do we? Have you heard any? Have you heard any more information? No, no. I I just heard information today, Tuesday, that maybe he would hold out into the season. Into possible. the season. So that's all I've heard. Um, that so it's none of the news has been good, not encouraging anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Sometimes though that. Uh, that that sort of posturing doesn't necessarily mean that they're far from a deal. Maybe it's going to end soon. Who knows? But sometimes, I guess you know, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire too. So it's it's hard to say. I guess the Chiefs are not looking for a trade partner right now. That would be that wouldn't help them for this season. So it's they really just need, even if they don't want to offer Jones a long term contract, they just need him to play this season and maybe Jones can play well enough that he'll get a, you know, if he's not going to get 30 plus million a year from the chiefs, maybe he can, maybe if he plays well, he can get that much money from another team, the chiefs or someone else anyway, yeah. either, either one. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, mean, I don't, I don't understand the, you know, how, how he's got to have some number in mind as to how far he's willing to go for this season, how much money he's going to sacrifice because he's getting fined like 50 K per day by not being in camp and you know now he's up i think he's missed a workout bonus that he would have gotten it was about a half million dollars so he's 
either at or past the $2 million mark and as to how much money is left on the table for this season. Uh, he's he's got to have some number in mind about how, how much he's willing to, you know, sacrifice. I would, I would think. Yeah. And you would think that, you know, it's not quite like the Lamar Jackson situation where Jackson famously did not have an agent for at least most of it. You know, Jones does presumably have someone who is advising him mm-hmm. and doing most of the negotiation. I don't, um, I don't know who his agent is. Jason Katz from Katz Brothers mm. Sports. It says according to Spot Track, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's. It seems like everything is going very, very well for the Chiefs right now, except that one big problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is that going to derail a, another, you know, potential Super Bowl season? If it, if Jones, like, is he going to pull a um, Le'Veon Bell and just not play and go first cut? But you know, so I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen. I think a lot of the times, those you know, like sitting out for a year doesn't really endear themselves to the other teams in the league either because if they're willing to not play for a contract that they sign then it's not usually a good indicator as to how you know loyal they're going to be to the team as they go on they do yeah because like there was an issue like earlier in the summer they were thinking well maybe jones is just waiting for the other contracts for Mm -hmm. williams and some of the other big name defensive tackles to get signed and those have been signed so we know like well he probably wants more than 25 million and the chiefs probably aren't going to offer 30 million. So it's somewhere in that range, which is a lot of money. $5 million is a lot of money for everybody else, especially if you're going to play three or four years, that's mm-hmm. 20 million, but that's on top of a lot of money already. So it's hard to, it's, it's hard to. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we, we just don't know what they're, yeah. Maybe they're just talking about the number of years. Or, you know, maybe there's a lot more to it, though, too. We don't, yeah, we don't, we don't know how big this gap is, I guess, right? The uh, Royals have now lost uh, game two to the A's. It is 5-4 final. Just so you know. Yeah, they lost 5-4, not surprisingly. But I guess uh, Brinky pitched well in his comeback. Sure. He had been... The starter, right? Uh, that would have been. Seems like that would have been a better, better thing to do. If you knew Brinky <laughs> was going to be back, then I don't know why he wasn't starting the game. That doesn't seem to make much sense. Maybe he was late. <laughs> we got through somebody out there. Could be. I doubt that. Oh, that Bay Area traffic could be a nightmare. I forgot. I forgot to mention that uh, yesterday the the Royals lost on a walk off from a player that they released after last year. Did you notice that? The uh, Brett Rooker hit a two-run home. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Revenge for Brett anyway. Rooker. Anyway, sorry. Let's let's stop talking about the Royals. <laughs> um, well, so the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Anything else about the Chiefs game? What about, what about the uh, running backs? Does anybody look interesting, or are they well they really think... necessary so much in yesterday in the last game? Yeah, one of the things that maybe people thought. So um, Pacheco has been recovering from his offseason surgery hasn't been really doing much so let's see he's going to play in the last preseason game 
but you know, there's also Clyde Edwards-Alaire who's trying to kind of reestablish himself as a high quality running back. And that's not going terribly well, but it doesn't seem like the Chiefs are going to get rid of him. They, they didn't go for his fifth year option, but he's still on the roster. And McKinnon still looks like the guy he was last year. Um, there was some co- commentary early in training camp about generic Prince possibly making the roster kind of like Pacheco, an undrafted free agent rather than Pacheco was a seventh round pick. But lately it's been Michael P. Ryan who has surged ahead and maybe is going to get um, maybe the backup running back position, even maybe second position, rather even third or fourth mm-hmm. uh, with McKinnon as the third down back and maybe Edwards Hilaire as, as number four, but, um, and Denerick Prince is out. Practice squad, maybe, or practice squad. Yeah, he's easy. Yeah, he like he was lined up maybe as a kick returner. That's always been really doing. But Richie James has proven that he seems to be a pretty good returner uh, as well. So I don't. Yeah, I think that's surprising. Uh, well, Michael P. Ryan uh, was on the Bengals with his cousin Samaji P. Ryan last year, and then he went to the Chiefs practice squad at the end of the season, and he's still with the Chiefs. So I, I don't know. Did you see anything you thought was interesting out of the running backs? Mm, yeah, not so much. That, that, yeah. Um what uh yeah mckinnon had that one really nice run it was like nearly 20 yards but that that was um there wasn't anything too exciting i think on the run i mean uh bouchelle's run was pretty nice i don't know if you saw that uh, yeah yeah where he uh had a nice cut at the end yeah uh, to get into the end zone that was uh that was pretty good yeah he was 10 for 10 with uh uh, running rushing that time. Actually, uh, Blaine Gabbert. I had heard Blaine. Actually, I think Andrew was talking about he wasn't planning on playing Blaine Gabbert that game, but he decided to put him in anyway later, and he ended up having a a perfect passer rating. Yeah, two touchdowns, seven for eight. You know, hundred fifty yards passing or something like that. So it was not too shabby. Yeah. So it's it, you think yeah. So it seems like the backup position is pretty good. We'll talk about we'll talk about all these backups and all the quarterbacks. Yeah. In our next segment how about, how about um from the receiving core how about Rasheed rice though that was he was probably the big um star of the of this preseason game eight yeah, catches, he, 96 yards yeah i think he had an early drop but he did well after he, that. he, he missed his first pass and then he caught the last eight yeah rice looks good he's a bigger guy than the chiefs have had at receiver for a while um, I think Mahomes has compared him to Sammy Watkins when Watkins was healthy, so that could be pretty good. And and I think, yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to. It seems like Rice is farther along, further along this year than um, Sky Moore was last year. Mm-hmm. Both second round picks, but I it seems like Rice is more polished at this at this time. And I know late in the game that um, was it Amir Smith Marset. Mm-hmm. Just, he had some great plays that uh and even had one that was like called back i think too that he had but he still had four catches 92 yards and a touchdown uh any chance he makes the team as a long shot yeah maybe he's the number seven receiver if, if there's a receiver that doesn't make the team i'd kind of like to see justin watson not make it because i think he was inconsistent last year he doesn't offer a whole lot mm-hmm. he, he had a couple of big catches but he had a lot of drops and I think the younger, I think I like to see Justin Ross, Smith Marset, um, some of those guys. You see what Rice and and uh, Sky Moore and you know uh, you know do as well. So I, I 
Yeah, Smith Marset, he was a fifth round draft pick. I didn't realize he was drafted. Yeah. He was he was a fifth round draft pick by the Vikings in 2021. Oh, okay. So he's pretty recent. Um the Vikings got rid of him when they got Jalen Rager, who was a kind of notorious first round bust for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but Rager uh went to TCU, which is the same place that uh Shane Bouchel played. Uh, Rasheed Rice played for SMU across town. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the Rager only had eight catches for 104 yards last year for the Vikings. So he did not do uh, a whole lot. But I guess Smith Marset was seen as more expendable. And then, uh, but maybe the Chiefs have found somebody because Mahomes can make players look good. And maybe the Chiefs back quarterbacks can also make players look good and maybe but maybe smith marset has as says something has clicked and he's figured something out so maybe if he can't catch up on the chiefs maybe he can catch on with somebody else and which i think um is the next best thing for these guys so at least for me from as a, as a fan of, of the chiefs yeah. I, would, I, I you know it's sad sometimes seeing the chiefs or your team cut some guy and they, they end up playing on another team but you yeah i think you'd rather have that than picking up a lot of cast offs from other teams to try to Trying to fill your roster. Well, this could be. Yeah, look like he played. Um, Smith Marset even played for the Bears last season too. So he, this is his third team in three years, and uh, I didn't realize that either. That he was had two two other teams that he played for. Did you? Yeah, he was he it? ended up. Yeah, he had like one catch, I think, for yeah for the Bears. Bears, and yeah, so he didn't play a whole lot. But he's on. Yeah, he's a friend. I guess he's a fringe active roster guy and maybe he's good on special teams and things like that so that would be that would be good to have i think the chiefs are i'm just excited to hear about uh excited to get the season started and see how the chiefs are going to do um I'm, I'm looking forward to football already i guess you probably are too should we oh i guess do you want to talk about any other preseason games we we i would mention we, the blanket our, bet though too betting yeah well my, my our bet that the chiefs would win yes my, one but they they covered rather than i thought i thought the cardinals would cover the seven and a half point spread but oh yes but that also when they also went over so i was two out of three so you're five of six in yeah. preseason preseason chiefs predictions yeah how about the blanket over how um about... blanket over yeah we noticed that the um over under numbers were all slightly higher than last week we decided to go with the blanket over again on all 16 games uh, this week, you would have gone nine and seven. So you'd have been plus $200 on your $1,600 outlay, which isn't, that's an okay game. It's not great, but it's still a game. It's money. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if there had been, um, you know, the juice having to be paid, we, you still would have made hundred and, um, you know, 130 bucks or something like that. So mm. yeah, it's, yeah, so right. So I do you want to try? Let's let's see what the the blanket over does again for week three of the preseason. Because it looks like the over under numbers are all low again. And well, they're about in line with last week's numbers. It's going to be very close to what last week's like average over under number was. Yeah, um, third third preseason game is a little unpredictable because you don't like sometimes the starters don't play at all. But we've heard that Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the mm-hmm. Jets for the first time in preseason in. Five years he hadn't played in the preseason since 2018, so maybe and the Jets have been doing pretty well in preseason. Maybe they mm-hmm. can do it against the Giants uh, for the 
mayor's trophy or whatever they might call uh the winner of the giants jets preseason i guess they didn't do too much in the last game they lost to tampa oh they did in game well their second actual preseason game but uh yeah they lost 13 to 6 to tampa okay that's not so great their first game they like had a they shut somebody out didn't they they well they lost to the browns in the hall of fame game uh, yeah, but that doesn't count, right? Well, I, I don't know. And then they beat the Jets. They beat the Panthers twenty-seven to nothing. Yeah, it was. I remember it was a big. It was a big shutout. Yeah. Yeah. Thirteen to six loss to Tampa is probably not a great sign if it's a regular season game. But in the preseason, does that mean anything at all? Who knows? You'd like your team to score more points. Yeah. So I, you know, the the Jets' offense is supposed to be very, you know, very strong this year. Prolific is the hope. Yeah, but who knows? Um, the one team uh, that we mentioned that Rodgers isn't going to play is going to play perhaps for the first time since 2018. Uh, one team lost for the first time in several years in the preseason. That was the Baltimore Ravens. They lost on the last second field goal, I believe, to Washington. Uh, and their preseason win streak of 24 games is, has come to an end. Are you upset about their 29-28 loss to the Commanders? The Commanders were, I guess, uh, jubilant on the field that they had won this preseason game. Uh, <laughs> do you uh, do you think that they should be so excited about winning a preseason game? I think, you know, the guys that would have been on the field would have been the, uh, you know, players that may not make the roster. That may be the most exciting thing that happens to them. Uh, this year for a lot of those, those that's true players yeah. at least anyway so you know celebrate when you can i think that's the uh should be the uh the motto i think right so yeah irvin uh, magic johnson was happy about it Jim magic johnson is one of the new owners of the commanders yeah that seems pretty surprising right i wasn't aware of of magic's uh ownership uh the commanders but Anyway, he not was... the match you would expect, I guess. Is that what you think of him as an LA guy, right? Why why would he be involved in a DC? Yeah, yeah and he was from uh Michigan, I think. He played Michigan State. And so I don't uh yeah, it's I don't know. I guess he's got you know, he's got money and he likes probably likes sports and sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of NBA te- NFL teams or professional sports teams that go on sale. So if you can latch on to any team, probably you're gonna try to do it. Yeah. I guess he is or was part of the Dodgers ownership group too. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think you just try to get whatever, whatever. Yeah, is available to him. Then he's going to take it. Yeah, he. Yeah, you know, Magic has he's got a lot of entrepreneurial types of of things. He had expressed an interest in buying the Clippers. He. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, you know, he's, let's see, he's, he's a sports team manager. He does, he joined as part of a bid for uh, the Dodgers. And I guess he's still, yeah, he still is part, part owner of the Dodgers. He is also part owner of a minor league baseball team, hmm. Dayton Dragons. He was also part owner of the Los Angeles Sparks. He is part owner of MLS Los Angeles FC. So he was uh, also 
try he uh tried to be part of the group that uh pursued the Dolphins, Raiders, and Broncos. So I guess he's just trying to latch onto any ownership group he can find. So yeah. So he just wants to own a own a uh, NFL franchise, which if you have a lot of money and you're Magic Johnson, I think that's go for it. Yeah, Admiral, admirable, goal. Yeah. Well, we have an admirable goal of trying to do three segments today. Yeah, I but I was going to say, what what are your uh, bets for the uh, upcoming Chiefs preseason game three? The pre- Chiefs preseason game three, they are playing the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and I think they're favored by three and a half points. I think it was one of the higher over-under numbers, 41. 41. Yes. I'm gonna so go. Cleveland is favored by three and a half. A Cleveland's favored by three and a half. Okay. Uh, that's surprising. Yes. Um, I guess and they think Mahomes. And it's in Kansas City. It's in Kansas City. I think. And really, it's been the backups that have been scoring a lot. Chiefs. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been the starters necessarily. So I think I'm gonna say I'll say Chiefs. Uh, at plus three and a half. We'll say Chiefs. We'll say they win and then win uh as well. And then let's go over. So let's just let's just do what, what happened with Arizona. I don't know. It's pretty well, might as well you might as well just bet on because it's there's no way to know what's gonna happen. So yeah. it's no. yeah. <laughs> this is really but you but you're five for six on on, on your uh, preseason predictions yeah. thus far. Around the Chiefs, so you may as well go for it, right? Yeah, I'll predict the Chiefs win. So the Chiefs win, that'd be the money line and cover. Money line and uh, underdogs. Money Um, line and spread and also over. over, I think both of the Chiefs preseason games so far would have gone over 41, so. There were were a couple of very close um, over-under hits and misses both. On the Thursday game was an under by a half a point in a game that ended in a tie, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird anyway, right? Yeah, um, you don't have the overtime. On Sunday, there was an under by a half a point. And then there was an over by a single point, too, in that, on the Saturday games. So there were, so there were some could, really close ones. It could have been 11-5 if it had broken exactly our way. Yeah. So I think over. Let's stick with the over and just hammer the over for the preseason, and then we'll see what happens with the regular season. Yes. All right. So this, that, this will this will end our first segment. First of three segments. First of three segments. Uh, we'll begin part two of our episode this week. And that will cover the AFC quarterbacks from the AFC West and the AFC South. And then part three, we'll 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 get into the quarterback uh outlook for the AFC North and the AFC East. We did the NFC last week. You can check if you haven't heard, looked at our, our broadcast from last week, you can, you can uh, listen to that still. Uh, parts two and three of our episodes last week were uh, the NFC. Parts two and three of our episodes this week will be the AFC. So-